Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Little Egypt Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Hefferman. And with me today... He's starting to, he's starting to wait for it now. Yeah. With me today... Diva. With me today are uh, sports editor Les Winkler and sports writer Bucky Dent. Welcome back, guys. It's been a couple weeks, it seems. Uh, lots of exciting news. Uh, the NCAA tournament started today. I always consider it my second Christmas day. But I'm uh, working a lot with you you fine people with uh, the big news. Brian Mullins is the new SIU men's basketball coach. Um, what are your uh, what was your immediate reaction? We kind of expected this, but what do you, what do you why do you think they chose him out of all the candidates they may have looked at? That is actually a very good question. I mean, uh, the uh, that is a hell of a question. Well, I mean, I, I'll, I'll no. start then. I'll, I can start. Or you can start. I, I, I think it, the timing is right for him. I, I think he's got great experience in the Valley. Um, he, he's, he was a big influence on, on Loyola's uh, Final Four run. Obviously, he didn't take any shots or, or defend any, any, any uh, drivers, but I, all the guards talked about his influence on their defense and helping them develop. Loyola did have a great history of developing players that sat out. Uh, they, Porter Moser kept promoting him. So I had my own doubts last year. I was like, he's never been a head coach. Uh, we don't know how big an influence he has on this recruiting class or the players, but uh, I just thought the timing was right and he had the, he had the right experience. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I have mixed feelings about the hiring. I, I, I think Brian's going to do, I think he'll do an excellent job. I, I, I would, you're, the tendency is to say, well, he doesn't have game experience of coaching, but uh, Bruce Weber didn't when Bruce Weber came here. Uh, uh, so, you know, I, I would. The thing that's fascinating about me is fascinating to me about this is the fans' fascination with their their sort of uh, glomming onto Brian, and, and he's almost like a Pied Piper type figure. And yeah, I, I I've been given a lot of thought as to why that is. And uh, I, I, couple, obviously, he was a very successful player here. He was academic, all American. He's articulate. He and he sort of embodied the brand of uh, I don't well not you know brand like Bradley's brand, but he kind yeah, of he don't kind of embodied Bradley's <laughs> brand these days, which is another topic discussion for another time. But but, but, but he but kind of embodied that. You and you think right, of him, right? And and, and and Brian was not. Brian was not a great athlete. He he didn't run fast. He didn't jump high. He uh, wasn't a great shooter. But his game was certainly better than the sum of its parts. And he was a real blue collar guy, which I think probably appeals to people here. And of course, they had great success when he was leading the team. So, but it, it's just been kind of fascinating to watch the way people have sort of insisted that the next coach was Brian because he was not a head coach leading his team to to great victories. He he was a, a background guy, so it's it's been kind of a fascinating thing to watch unfold. Okay, we know he's probably going to win the press conference today, short of like something just completely unexpected coming out of the blue. Now the next question is going to be, can he win games? And this is the part of the equation I think people may want to give him a year or two uh, to, before they can start passing judgment on that because you, you're talking about six seniors that graduated. You're going to have, what, two starters back? Two, mm-hmm. two starters, Eric McGill and Aaron Cook, right. so two very good starters, yeah, but, but both, two guards. Both guards, and 
although guard guard play is a bigger part of the college game than say the NBA you still got to have somebody that can rebound the ball score occasionally inside do the the dirty work inside whatever and that's going to be the first real test I think is can they find people to do those things and on another front are the recruits that previously committed to the program for Barry Hinson will they all stay and play for Brian Mullins that I think is going to be another thing you have to have answered but yeah this this is what I call the new car smell of college basketball an exciting young coach uh, meeting with the approval of pretty much everybody around here he's going to pass that test today can he pass the test uh, when, the, when the actual games start in November my first question you know obviously moving forward will be who's going to be on his staff who's going to be the experienced guy on his staff is it going to be Anthony Bean senior uh, then you you think Darius is probably coming back um, I can't imagine the recruits would not want to play for him but two of them were primarily recruited by Justin Walker and and I don't know if Justin Walker is coming back um, but if you get Anthony Bean senior and, and Brian Mullins they, they may agree to, to come here and, and play um, and then he's got Jimmy Bean who we haven't seen at all uh, may have a scholarship but but Mullins has a nice opportunity one of the reasons this job was very attractive was not only the the funding that Jerry Kill is kind of built here the, the money he's raised so he could pay a good salary that's what was the other question I was going to ask you is uh, your reaction to to Brian getting five years and 475,000 per I would hope he I was hoping he would get five years I, I thought that was a fair start um, the 475 was a little higher than I thought I thought they would go 400 at the top because Barry was making 350 but but also Jerry Kill had nothing to do with Barry Henson's contract right. so 475 you know Brian was probably going to be a, a hot commodity um, if he wanted him that badly um, that's something we're going to ask about at the press conference today but I, I thought it was fair because if he wins he's going to bring 10 times that in, in attendance donations and one one game in the NCAA tournament, win or lose, is worth over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Just to you. schools right now, what that's like, you know, because they got two right. schools in the tournament, and one's already won a game. So you're talking about those extra units. Yeah, they the, add up. the The thing that the, the thing that I have wondered is that with the intensity and the fervor that the Saluki fans showed in in wanting Brian, is will will they give him a longer or a shorter leash? Um, you know, if if he comes in and uh, he doesn't win in year one, which is likely, uh, went not not to win big in year one because it is sort of a rebuild year. But if if by the middle of that uh, second year and they're still uh, sputtering along in the valley, uh, you know, <laughs> if you don't win, people are going to turn on you. You know, and, and you know, is do they is there are the expectations so high that he can't possibly achieve them that's that's one thing I am concerned about so I you know <laughs> and I have a feeling we will know soon enough so yeah I, I think you got it you probably give him most people will probably give him a year you know a little year grace period but 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 you're right like expectations are probably he should take us back to the sweet 16 exactly and, now, and those are really high expectations now, you know and, and and apparently I'm a dinosaur in thinking this because a lot of people have been telling me on Twitter in the last few weeks, but I, I think a new guy coming in—if you don't give him three years, you're just 
I mean, you're, you're, it's just stupid because it's going to take him, it's going to take him a year or two to get his players in the system, get the players who are here accustomed to his system, get you know, at least that second year where they're going to be comfortable in it, and then by the third year he'll have you know two classes of his recruits that uh, that that will be playing his system. So, you know. But you know, uh, apparently, patience no longer exists in the NCAA basketball world. So I guess I guess we'll see. There there isn't a lot of patience, but uh, people are going to have to be patient for him next year because he's got. I mean, his his bigs are all gone. Uh, the ones that are coming back are, are three redshirt freshmen. Two of them, you know, just started playing basketball a couple of years ago. So. Uh, Bola Olanyan was not great as a redshirt freshman or really as a sophomore either. He really took over, um, made a big step as a junior, and then as a fifth-year senior at uh, Alabama. But uh, he's got some wiggle room, but also it's, I, I, I'd be happy if they were around 500 next season. And the other thing, too, that I think you have to understand about college basketball as it was played in 2007 when SIU was a sweet 16 team and very well could have knocked off Kansas, and college basketball today, it is light worlds apart. Uh, the Power 5 schools have more advantages than ever. The schools in a league like the Valley really have to scrap and fight for anything they get. And the Valley itself this year was not very good. I mean, it was, what, ranked 17th? 14th. 14th. Going into Selection Sunday. And it was it, I mean, it was pretty much on a par with the whack, correct? So that, That's true, but it's also that was also the lowest in almost 15 years. Right. So it's, it's been in the top eight, been in the top ten, you know, ten, eight, ten years in a row before this year. I mean. But you're right. It is harder to get in as, a, as an at-large. It's not impossible. But it's very difficult to do. The glory days for SIU, if I'm not mistaken, one year the Valley had five teams in the tournament. Four. They had four, four in 2006. Should have had five. Yeah, because Missouri, Missouri State had the had the RPI of 26 and somehow didn't get in. They were 36. They were 21 the year before. Okay. I think. I think that was 2005. But yeah, they 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 had 21 one year and 36 the next. They did they did not get in either. Point year. being that the Valley then versus the Valley now, there's no comparison. But but there are some good, you know, Walter McCarty, you know, even though Valparaiso's had this max S exodus, Dana Ford has some good players coming back. It could be could be could be in the top eight, you know, next year or the year after. But uh, you know, you're you're right. I mean it's it's mid majors as a whole, it's a lot more difficult to get into the NCAA tournament. The deck is so stacked against mid majors. And even though Mark Adams is trying to do a lot of things to kind of help that along in terms of scheduling and ideas and whatnot. It's going to be a, a, a situation where mid-majors go, but you have to push the rock, and it just seems like it's going to keep rolling back at you. Well, you know, the, the whole scheduling thing, too. Okay, SAU did a good job this year of getting, Great job. getting, getting Kentucky on their schedule, getting Buffalo twice. Yeah. But you knew, you knew that that was going to come back and smack them in the face. They, they weren't going to beat Kentucky. I, I, you know, maybe one out of 100 times. I mean, that's going to be a loss, and it's a loss. It, you know, if, if they if they play them to two or three points, it's a good loss. Right. They're gonna they're gonna play they're gonna play Buffalo twice. The chance of beating Buffalo at home, okay, maybe 50-50, but beating them at, losing or beating them at home at uh, Buffalo, that that's probably not gonna happen. And then you've got some other good schools. Obviously, Murray State was better with John Morant than anybody thought. Um, the Billikens were a pretty good basketball team. They had a pretty good non-conference team. They played Nevada. No, they didn't end up playing Nevada, did no. they? They lost but, to UMass, but they beat Tulsa. But they beat which Tulsa. Is a very good, very good win. But 
but you come you come through that and you've got five or six losses and right there at large bid is probably not going to happen I, I agree, but I would say they had the, a great schedule this year, whereas if they had beaten Murray State or they had beaten Buffalo, if they'd gotten one of those two and didn't have a bad loss in the Valley, they, they might have had a shot at the NIT. They might have had a shot at the NCAA might. tournament. Might have. Maybe. 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 They would be in the conversation at least. Which maybe, is, maybe still get you fired. But you can't, <laughs> but you can't have, I mean, the, you Dick can't Fox really have. Dick stumping for him anyway. <laughs> You can't really have. I mean, you're right. You can't. You have to have some good wins at home or on a neutral site. They did. They beat St. Louis. They beat Tulsa. But they had a chance to beat Nevada. They had a chance to beat Kentucky. That's well, a pretty pretty tall task. But if you're going to beat Kentucky, you got to play them early. Right. And, and they did. And 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 they had the, the the home game here against Buffalo. They had a real chance to win that game. If and, Fletcher plays, and, maybe they win. Right. At home. So, so you know. It, you know, it, it, <laughs> you really have to slice that one thin because yeah. you you have to make a good schedule. But boy, you really got to thread the needle. To it's got to be people that you also have a realistic chance of winning. Because otherwise, it's you know they tell you you have to do it, but it, the, the chances of it are backfiring on you are probably three out of four, yeah. four out of five. So, do you feel like um, do you feel like people will? I don't know. Have a lot of enthusiasm, though, with the change. Oh, you think I, the program needed a little bit of a jolt in some way? I I, I think it was inevitable that a, ch a coaching change was going to happen, and I, I think uh, picking Brian Mullins in in terms of uh, re-energizing the program was was probably as as uh, good a pick as they could have possibly possibly made. Um, yeah, I, I think I think there will be renewed enthusiasm uh, for the first five or six games, and then uh, fans being what they are, if they don't win. If they don't win four or five of those uh, home first home games, it'll it'll tail back off. Maybe you know the attendance wasn't terrible this year. Uh, it was, it was it, up a little bit. It, it, I mean, it wasn't bad, but uh, I, I suspect if you know if, if the team is playing at a mediocre level, it will probably taper off because I I think uh, the enthusiasm of the new coach will wear off relatively quickly unless they uh, string eight or ten wins in a row together, which. And he'll be able to, you know, depending on what he wants to do, they, they, we still have to find out a lot about their schedule, but he does have a lot of leeway as far as who he, has to, who he wants to schedule. He has two scholarships at least, maybe, maybe we'll have more uh, going forward. So there is there's some wiggle room to add some new players and, and get a schedule that's more in line with this team rather than the one that was played this season. Well, I, I, if, for the scholarships, I, I think they're going to have to bring in a JUCO or transfer big. I don't think yeah. there's any question yeah. about right. that whatsoever. That's probably their number one priority because they've got to, you know, assuming Cook and McGill stay, um, and I can't imagine they wouldn't, but those are those two pretty good point guards for you right, right. there, but you don't have a backup point and if you, guard unless you use Bean. And if, but if, and if, you've got a, if you've got a big that you can throw it into and, and uh, he's going to score 50% of the time and grab 8 to 10 rebounds a game, the two guards and the big are a pretty good place to start. With uh, you know, you're, you're hoping some of those redshirt freshmen are are going to be going to be able to play, and then you've got uh, uh, Brendan Gooch as well, who is is athletic enough to play in this league. There's no question about it. He's just been. As a matter of fact, I thought he played pretty well early in the year last year, and then just kind of fell into disfavor and didn't didn't see much action. He's going to got to get uh, at his size. He's going to get tougher, and and prove he can rebound so we'll see I mean it's it's not Brian's in a lot better position 
much better position than Barry was when he came in. There's no question. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on the women's team? They, they ended their season at the tournament. Uh, they had had a little bit higher expectations with a lot of good players back, but, but they were still extremely young this year, not a lot of upperclassmen necessarily. Yeah, that, that's, that's true. But if you look at the Valley's rosters, everybody's freshman and sophomore. I mean, I mean uh, Drake is going to lose a couple good players. Uh, uh, Danielle Gitson is uh, gone at um, uh, Missouri, Missouri State. State. Simone Goods is uh, gone at Illinois State. Uh, Drake is losing Sammy Backright and uh, Maddie Dean, which significant losses. And the Salukis are really losing no one. But the league got so much better this year. Bradley took a major step up. Illinois mm -hmm. State took a major step up. Two or three years ago, you look at your schedule, and those were Ws. And now you now you hope to split with them. I mean, you know, a split with Illinois State would have been good this year. A uh, split with Drake would have been excellent. A split with you and I would have been excellent. So, uh, and, and, you know, Missouri State has sh shown that they've taken a huge step, beating uh, uh, Drake in the in the Twice. Valley Championship game. Yeah, and this convincingly uh, yeah. in the Valley Championship game. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they, they've got – there's a lot of positives. Uh, uh, I think Abby Brockmeyer kind of hit the wall a little bit in the middle of the year, but at the end of the year she was playing very well again. Mackenzie Sylvie is going to be one of the best players in the league next year. Nicole Martin and Brittany Patrick, uh, th those four are outstanding Missouri Valley Conference basketball players. They need to find that fifth, sixth, and seventh kid who are going to be who are going to be um, show up every game and at least two of the three of them play very well. Speaking of news, um, I don't know. Brought the Marine Mullins thing dominated everything yesterday as it should have, but I ran into one on my beat just before my softball game started. The AJ Hill news at DeCoin. AJ uh, is leaving DeCoin. And he is uh, apparently taking another job up in the Springfield area. And this is a very prime job that has just opened up late in March, a few months before you start with summer camps and whatnot, and less than five months before preseason practice begins. A.J. Hill, 27 and 15, four years at DeCoin. And although DeCoin is losing Wesley Milam and Shamar Adams, two outstanding athletes, and quarterback Josh Heap, they're going to have Dasani Edward, who is a big-time, big-play wide receiver back. Uh, lots of starters along both sides of off, on offense and defense in the line, and a lot of tradition there and a lot of numbers. They had 100 kids come out last year. That's a prime job for somebody to get this late in the game. And at DeCoin, you're always going to have a pretty good chance to win more often than not with the tradition you have and the numbers you have. Dasani Edward may be the best athlete in Southern Illinois that a lot of people haven't heard of. He is a phenomenal um, He's lightning fast. Uh, he finished in the. Uh, he got himself on the podium as a sophomore in the triple jump last year at state. Uh, just a just a phenomenal athlete. So uh, uh, I, I saw a couple of Ducoin games last year where uh, they got him the ball uh, in space, and if he's got a little seam, you're just going to see the backside of whatever number he's wearing <laughs> sprinting for the opposite end zone. <laughs> yeah. So so that's going to be interesting to see how that process plays along. Um, the last two hires have been internal. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what uh, athletic director Derek Beard and the school board over there decide to, which direction they decide to go. But whoever gets the job is going to inherit a fairly decent collection of talent and a lot of expectations at one of the most tradition-rich programs in the area. It's been a long time since anybody named Hill or Martin has been at the, uh, 
at the helm there at Harris. Bob at, uh, Carnes, if not my, just some research, I think was the last guy that was not named Hilder Martin. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's uh, that, that if there's if there's a plum high school coaching job in Southern Illinois, that's one of one of probably about three. Yeah, I mean, you, you got a good facility, you've got a loyal following, you've got tradition and numbers on your. And we talk about numbers a lot last year with the decline in numbers around the area that we spotlighted in our preseason issue. AJ told me last year they had a hundred kids show up the first day of practice. You're not seeing a hundred kids show up many places anywhere in the state anywhere period and you got a hundred kids there well you know it's it's, it's Ducoin. it's Ducoin. yeah if you're if you're five feet tall and weigh 100 pounds when you're a freshman you're a football player you know you're so i mean that's just the way it is you, i, I they, they probably have to buy some mini size gear once in a while to outfit some of the freshmen that come out but everybody wants to play football there and you know what more power to them that's great and that's a conference good enough that if you do, if you play a good non-conference schedule and finish five and four, you got you got a fighting chance to, to possibly get in. And you look at their team last year; they're six and zero. They're playing AJ in week seven. They're up by two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, and AJ came back and just stole the game, won thirty six thirty five. And DeCoin did not win again the rest of the year. And AJ told me that was one of his regrets that he wished that part of it could have gone a little bit better to the end of last year. But he did feel pretty good about the four years he had there and being able to start a new playoff streak. They've been in the playoffs 32 of the last 35 years there. So, again, whoever, whoever comes in and gets that job is, is going to have a chance to do pretty well right out of the gate. Well, we will see where they end up uh, in DuCoin, but uh, enjoy the tournament action this weekend. Uh, Saluki baseball back at home. The uh, Saluki softball is uh, on the road this weekend, correct? Home, home, home. Yeah, there home, well, against home. Valparaiso. Home, yeah. Yeah. Uh, bark at the park on Saturday for the noon <laughs> doubleheader, I believe. Bring your beagle. <laughs> you bring yours on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll bring I'll bring Bo along. Every 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 fan there will get a free lick. <laughs> <laughs> introduce himself, Yo, everybody. He will, he will introduce himself. He will. Wet every pole. <laughs> Dawson's a very friendly uh, little beagle too. Maybe yeah. I'll take him out to one of those games. But yeah, the Homer uh, would do the same thing, I'm sure. Yeah, you guys want to talk a tournament? You guys have a Final Four or Championship pick that's very popular. I did. I, I did all my brackets last night. My kids did one. They had Yale winning a couple rounds, and Yale got beat by LSU. Uh, judging by the team colors, of course, but I, <laughs> right. I ended up with Gonzaga winning my bracket. I thought about Gonzaga. I even thought about Tennessee, but I went to the dark side and picked Duke, oh. just because their best is better than everyone else's best when Zion Williamson is healthy. I think I had Duke and Carolina in the final, which is really cliched, but the tournament's become pretty chalky for the most part the last few years. So that's the that's the yeah. matchup the networks are all wanting us going to want to see and I don't, you know I can't imagine how crazy that's going to be in a national championship game I when I go through the bracket I don't really have a preconceived winner when I when I when I do it and it just ends up who it, who it ends up and right then, me too the, uh, this year I, I when I looked at the end it was Tennessee in the in the middle spot in my bracket and but I, I agree with hundred percent with what Bucky said about the the tournament has become very predictable especially after the after the first two rounds after the first weekend I I frankly lose interest because I really don't care which five power five conference team beats what other power five conference teams the the interesting games to me are the Yales versus uh, LSU it's it's uh, uh, Belmont against um, uh, Maryland. Maryland. Uh, it's uh, Murray State 
Yeah, that that that's to me that's the fun part uh, of the tournament is seeing which upstart is going to win a game or two and mm -hmm. and knock off the unbeaten's and um, as the conversation was earlier, everything is stacked toward toward the big guys. There's no there's no question about it. So um, it, it's really it's really not that to me it's not as compelling as if like last year when Loyola made the run, okay, can, can they do it again? Can they do it? Well, with Duke and, and people like that, you, yeah, of course you know they can. It's just, are they going to? Right. Uh, but uh, there's no, there, there, it just kind of takes the drama out of it for me. But, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll get somebody to make a, a Final Four run again to uh, inject some life into that second weekend. Two best first-round games, Murray State-Marquette. I think Murray State will win. Marquette has not played well for three weeks. And John Morant is going to put up some incredible numbers, I believe. Marquette's not been that good defensively. And Wofford, Seton Hall will be a terrific first round game. Wofford can shoot. Seton Hall's got the best player that nobody talks about in the country, Miles Powell. They're pretty ordinary around him. He willed them to some big wins down the stretch. He's averaging about 24 a game. Guy and, can play. And, let, you, know, let, you know, speaking of John Moran, let's just hope he posterizes somebody on, on national television. You know, he, I mean, he's got, he's got a lot of hype behind him this year already. Yeah. You know, let's, let's, make the, let's make the legend stick. You know, let's, let's, let's go mean, pull If you can make Magic Johnson spend two nights in Evansville watching you play basketball, you've got to be pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be, uh, that'd be a historic game if Duke does play North Carolina in the championship. They've never, they've never played in the NCAA tournament, which I couldn't believe. Yeah, that, is, that is shocking now that you mention it. I mean, they've never played each other. I mean, they play each other twice a year. I mean, they're both usually, usually three times a year if you count the ACC tournament. They're both usually one seeds. You know, you would think they'd run into each other at some point, but they never have. Isn't isn't that one of those games where you just want both teams to lose? <laughs> well, I was looking at Ohio State and uh, Iowa State. I was looking for the the roof to cave in on that one, uh, but uh, that's that's not going to happen. So somebody's somebody's going to win that game, unfortunately. And you could say the same thing in some ways for Michigan State, Bradley. You know, for obvious reasons, from Bradley's perspective and Michigan State, you know, there's still the stench of Larry Nasser and John Angler still getting courtside seats for some bizarre reason. Which <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I do like Izzo, but they have they have met with a lot of adversity, not very well uh, at all. Adverse, self-made adversity, yeah, let's, yeah. from an institutional and, level. And I will say Iowa State's really conflicted me because Steve Prohm really was a great guy when he was at Murray State. Uh, when we played them, he was always good to talk to. I, I do pull for Steve Prohm, but I don't pull for Iowa State or Ohio State uh, in any fashion. Uh, other than that, but uh, Purdue's got a good matchup against Old Dominion. Uh, for people that follow, you know who who the Salukis played and and Kansas State. Kansas State should have a great game uh, as well in the first round playing UC Irvine. That's going to be who's better than game. most people think they are. And Dean uh, Wade may not play in the tournament. That's going to be a difficult matchup for Bruce Weber yeah. and Kansas State. They still got some other players, but yeah, I, I don't think he is going to play in the tournament. Well, you know, when you're mentioning these things, Matt Painter and, and, uh, and Bruce Weber or whatever, I mean, it is, it is sort of amazing how in the last decade or whatever that uh, the, the f uh, footprint of SIU basketball has just kind of grown through, through the NCAA. I mean, you know, there's, there's all kinds of connections at a lot of different places, and it, it does make watching the tournament more fun. I'll give it uh, even, even after the first weekend, I'll, I'll have to admit that. Yeah, you can watch it on your phone or on four different networks.
Uh, true TV. True TV the is the one I don't. Everybody have. watches True TV. <laughs> yeah. Well, enjoy the enjoy the weekend, and we'll hopefully talk to you next weekend. Uh, thanks for joining us.